2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Tanya Pinkins. It is May 29th. It is the eve of my 58th birthday. And I am here today with a colleague and friend... I did my first professional play, I think, uh, on the road with her. We started it at Yale working with the great Lloyd Richardson and August Wilson, Lloyd Richards, Lloyd Richards. Sorry. Help me. Thank you for correcting me, sister. Um, she changed my life in terms of introducing me to literature, but particularly introducing me to black literature, the Harlem Renaissance writers. Um, she is an extraordinary actress, uh, nominated for two Tony Awards for Comeback Little Shiva and The Piano Lesson on Broadway. Um, she's also known for Law and & Order and Chicago Med, and she's a Golden Globe winner for Lackawanna Blues. Um, welcome, essepetha pathan
1: Thank you, Tanya. I'm so happy that you asked me to do this on the eve of your birthday.
2: Oh, wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's. I was seeing that you are a native of Michigan because you are a whiz mm-hmm. player, right? You play with
1: You know what? I don't. I don't play cards. Oh, <laughs> and let me tell you why. Because as a kid, I was never good at it, and I come. I'm the last of five. And if you sat at the card table with any of my siblings, you better know how to play the game. Exactly. But they didn't have patience with me
2: because you were the fifth. They already had four, so they didn't take yeah. time to teach you.
1: And so, literally, I it, I was afraid to learn how to play. So and- I, I, the only card game that I play is I play two Uno and Solitaire. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, we so, don't even play please. spades. We can't even put you at the kitty table. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you it, when <laughs> I tell people that I'm from Detroit and I don't play bidwith, they ask me to give my Detroit card back.
2: It's true. That's for shame.
1: And I'm too old now to learn how to play. Oh, no. You can
2: always learn how
1: to play I'm somebody. not going to remember the cards. I can remember lines, but I can't remember <laughs> what card you played. <laughs> That's why it's so pitiful. I can remember a whole script, but you asked me to sit down at a card table and I can't tell you what cards were played. (laughs) I understand.
2: I understand. I understand the memory, the memory. And I think it's just a muscle with the lines that lines are not even an issue. People go, how do you learn those lines? If the story makes sense to me, the words come. How is it
1: for you? you? And and that very similar, but I will say that as I've gotten older. Uh, You know, what I used to learn in two days, it takes me sometimes four or five days to learn because I'm just getting older and my brain power is not the same. But, you know, if the story makes sense, the lines will come easily. If it's written in a way that we speak, the lines will come easy. And and that's just the truth of it. The things I have the most trouble with are things that when I'm trying to learn them, like, wait a minute. Something's wrong. The syntax, something's going on here that I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we we, we, were, we were going to talk about quilting because that's what you've been doing during the pandemic, right? Oh my goodness.
1: Oh. A friend of mine is having a little girl and they're, they love dogs. And so that's my new quilt for them. Yeah. Wow. And sewing because sewing is a, a way for me to calm down. It's, it becomes my Zen uh, time. And uh, so I've, you know, decided at the very beginning of this, that I would start sewing. And I first started making masks because I thought this was a great way to help my friends and family stay away from the PPE that's needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I really got into it, you know. (laughs) Uh, so I, I I have made over uh, 250 masks, and and I started this uh, quilt in the middle of everything. So, yeah, I love quilting.
2: And are you staying calm as Miss Minneapolis is burning and they're storming the state?
1: You know, I was calm until Tuesday, Tanya. <laughs> And then Tuesday was a really, really hard day for me. And, you know, I won't, don't be surprised if I tear up, but um, Tuesday was hard. Me too. Um, and, and I could not get out of the funk I was in. You know, as I would get on Facebook and I'd see these photographs and this video, this woman in Central Park, uh, and and then this pandemic and a friend on Facebook, you know, at parties with no masks, and then this young man, George yeah. floyd, um, I could not get it together and and I've been good sort of place putting things in in place. Mm. But, but that just broke my heart. It just, it broke my heart and you know, I keep thinking about, you know, times when I was a young girl and I remember one time, my brother and I were coming from my sister's home and we were a little, uh, we were, he he was, his foot was heavy. So he was driving a little fast and uh, the police stopped us. But what they did was they didn't stop us for him speeding. They they thought he looked like someone who had done something wrong. and But what they did was they approached our car with their guns drawn. And I just remember my brother freaking and saying to me, please, please don't say anything. Don't say anything, don't say anything. Hmm and i could just see i'd never seen him that afraid mm-hmm. and and so all of a sudden that fl- came flooding back and i kept thinking about how close we could have been to something if he had been a smart ass yeah and he wasn't
2: he didn't have to be anything i mean he didn't have to be anything.
1: didn't have to mean, be anything you know you can be in your home that's what we You could be in your home, you could be sitting in your car, you could be on your way to the store, you could be on your way from the store. There is this thing that is happening and that now we can see, I think somebody posted where Will Smith said, you know, racism hasn't gone away, it's just being filmed.
2: He said, it's not, racism isn't increasing, it's just thank, being filmed. Thank you,
1: thank you, yeah. It's
2: just being
1: filmed. It's
2: just it, filmed. Denzel had to intervene, like Denzel Washington having to save a homeless man from the police yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we've been living with this as long as our ancestors were on this continent. Yeah. And even as it has been being videotaped, which, you know, Eric Garner was videotaped.
1: Absolutely, and it didn't make any difference. No, and, and that the it's embedded—it's embedded into the grain, uh, the absolute grain of this country. The the racism, the 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 lack of of accountability uh, as well, um, the the lack of faith in our justice system because we're constantly having to deal with these incidents where young black and brown men are being murdered and, and no women, one-
2: And women, we cannot forget the women, and women.
1: Please forgive me. And no one is accountable. That I just, so Tuesday, Tuesday was rough for me. Tuesday was hard. And then yesterday, Wednesday, you know, I just started getting angry (laughs) and I couldn't sleep because I was angry. Yeah. Yesterday, I just tried to listen to everything. And then you see the young people who are just done.
2: Because they have no hope. They have no hope for jobs. Mm. They have no hope for education. They can't eat. They have nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. and freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Exactly.
1: <laughs> to coin a song. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it uh, you know, it it's pretty amazing what we're dealing with here in the midst of a pandemic and a government that has absolutely uh, no scruples, no morals, uh, are liars, uh, and you know they're they're doing things. Uh, there's so much going on that we probably don't even see. That. I honestly
2: feel like he's he is inciting the boogaloo. That's what they call it: the dominionist, the white supremacist, the evangelist. They call it the boogaloo. The Absolutely, uh, it is uh, the second civil war. Mm. In those communities, they say that mm. uh, he is. He's not the, uh, I don't say his name, um, he's not the savior, but that there is going to be the world before him and the world after him. So there are these small pockets of people who are rooting for this violence because they have been, you know, as Dylan Roof said before he shot the people in the church, he wanted to incite the race riot, which is going to bring on this second civil war, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, they feel wronged by
1: Lincoln freeing the slaves, and Lincoln didn't want to free the slaves. Thank you. You so know, that things happened, happened. You know, well, even with Kennedy, there are things that are happened because they're timely in history. And freeing the slaves was Lincoln's, and you know, civil rights was was Kennedy's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they they were pushed to do those things mm-hmm. because it was time timely in history. Uh, and and you know the the there even with that young. Boy, you just whose name you just called out, you know, he was arrested and taken to Burger King <laughs>
2: yeah, Wendy's or something to get some food.
1: OK. And this young man yesterday at uh, Tuesday, it's my understanding. And he's young because he's 20 years younger than me. Uh, this young man was they he was accused of a 20 oh, a counterfeit $20. counterfeit.
2: He may not have even known was counterfeit because he didn't leave. He didn't run off. Right. Standing in that no. outside of the store afterwards,
1: he was sitting in the car, and that a twenty. And this young man sits in a prayer service with people. He kills them, and then they take him for a Burger King. And this young man, for almost nine minutes, is saying, "I can't breathe. I, you know, uh, I don't." I'm not I'm I'm don't think that I'm a violent person, uh, but the what was going on last night, I completely understand. Yes.
2: Yeah, I didn't Um, last night at all. And then with the person in charge tweeting uh, when the looting starts, the shooting
1: starts. when the looting stops, the shooting starts. Yeah. Uh And, And to and to quote you know, one despicable, uh, uh, you know, yeah, from Florida. in Florida, um, you know, that's the man who was elected. And that's why it's so important that young people understand, you, you, you know, it's not just the presidential election. It's those city and county elections that you have to be vigilant about. Cause you know, those are the ones where the attorney generals are you know, given are elected your city council people, uh, uh, you know, your state senators, those are the people that you know you want to check, uh, because the it's not just about a presidential election, and you know, it, where do you live,
0: right.
2: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. For your chance to redeem some serious prizes, get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, people um, probably a lot of people well, don't know that you made a documentary. I was did. One of my I favorite documentaries. I own your documentary the contradictions of fair hope. You want to tell us a little bit about what, what that project is and why you made that project.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's about a, a, a little known organization that happens with uh, a lot of uh, ethnicities. Uh, they're called benevolent societies and they're created as a means to help the community when it's needed food, Uh, you know, burial, they were originally considered burial societies, and my uh, uh, producing partner, Raquel Metcalf, is from Alabama, and his grandmother, who lived to 104, uh, Bessie, Bessie Hunt belonged to the uh, Fair Hope Benevolent Society, and she had been a member since she was 17 years old and was still paying dues at 104. And so when he came to me with this project, he said, you know, my grandmother belongs to this organization. We should think about filming it. And I was like, what is it? And he said, well, it's the Fairhope Benevolent Society, but now they call it the Footwash." And right. I was like, okay, well here, when you go home, cause I think it was, Gonna happen that because sep- it happens every September. And it, it, I said, take some pictures and bring them back. So he comes back with these pictures. And you know, Tucson, Tucson, uh, Tucson, uh, Raquel is like 6'4, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he's standing arms akimbo in front of six butt naked women. Mm-hmm. And I like whoa 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 wait a minute I thought you said that your grandmother was a part of this organization and he said that's the story mm. that's how it's that's how it came to be so what the documentary does is it tells the story historically how we got from the Fair Hope Benevolent Society that his grandmother belonged to how it morphed into the footwash. And it was a gradual thing. So now after, and it's still going on, after almost 130 years in existence, this thing happened gradually. What was once a weekend of religious observance has turned into a week of pure debauchery where people come from all over the country by word of mouth, There is no promotion. There is no advertisement. But by Saturday night, that last week of September, you cannot walk on the grounds for the crowd that is there. And it's a weekend of pure debauchery. Now, what was powerful to me of that movie
2: is the opening lines. Who was the narrator? Whoopi. Whoopi Goff, the narrator. And she says, on the, uh, the day after emancipation, four million black men and women were released into a capitalist economy with no capital. Right. Let's talk about that, because there was a point in time in history, the 1619 Project talks about it, that black bodies were greater economy than the railroads, than anything in this nation. And we were, quote unquote, freed with nothing. nothing. And that is what Let's the, the, the uh, benevolent societies wrote,
1: because we didn't have food, clothes, house, burial, nothing. And they used to be called nickel and dime societies, meaning every, every time dues were collected, people would pull together their nickels and dimes. And if the Brown family, uh, was having a hard time, then that money would go to the Brown family. If the, if the Williams lost someone in their family, then that money would be, would help to bury that person. And, and literally it, it was a form of insurance. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, Gaston, a, I think it's A.J. Gaston, was a, had the first um, uh, insurance company in Alabama, and it all came out of the Benevolent Society.
2: Mm-hmm. And this was people who had been enslaved, who who maybe had a history of having come from somewhere and knowing how to be communities, figuring out how to be communities and to take care of and support one another in a in a very hostile environment.
1: Absolutely, and and then then there's the other side of that, uh, Tanya, where you know this now has morphed into something that. Uh, they could never have imagined when it initially started, um, and and it, it, you know it happened gradually, and and it also happened uh, to people who were trying to find ways to feed their families, right? Um, and unfortunately, it it's taken this negative turn, but it happened gradually because. In those areas as well, there was no work. Mm. And so um, that September, when this would roll around, it started with someone bringing sandwiches. And then the next three or four years, people were making sandwiches and selling sandwiches. And then there was liquor. And then there was gambling. Mm -hmm. And then there was prostitution Uh and then there were guns. Right. But the history of this entire time, there's only been one murder. Mm. And that happened. Now there's been all other kinds of things. And that happened because a woman found her husband in a prostitution pit and she went home and she came back, (laughs) killed him. Mm. but it, it is, to me, it, there is something about the documentary that, you know, sort of sh- shows the same type of desperation that we're dealing with now. These things can only happen when people are desperate, uh-huh. when people want justice, uh-huh. when people want to feed their families, and people want to live in peace. And they want to be able to give to their children what they couldn't get for themselves. All of this madness comes when people are desperate and angry. Yeah.
2: And, and, and we are desperate and angry and, and I feel like it's so important for people to know that you know, I feel like so many people in the communities that I spend, you know, the theater, the television, the show business community, they assume that because you've had some success, that somehow you get this immunity to being angry, that you somehow <laughs> and you don't have to feel it anymore or you don't care as you
1: have have risen above it. and You see more of it. Huh? You see more. You see more of it. Yeah. You know, because now, you know, as as my success happened, you know, I would when I first came here, I was doing mostly black theater, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where I could get the work. And, you know, the more success I had, the more the the t- the color of people changed, you know, and sometimes I'd be the only black person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see it more, you hear it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, yeah, it's not going to stop you from being angry. It might make you even more angry. Uh-huh.
2: You know. Yeah, I, I definitely ha- have not uh, slept and not been able to to get moving in the last couple of days. So has your quilting been uh, it, it, giving you some
1: comfort? It, it actually has because it's focused. You know what I mean uh, you sit at a sewing machine and you're stitching and that that's what you have to pay attention to so now, you're not uh, stitching I'm I'm using a uh, I've learned this new technique <laughs> <laughs> I've learned this new technique I'm like going crazy with this new technique cuz this whole this whole quilt is like appliqué okay. so yeah, so I I went online one day just looking to see like some quilt patterns cuz you know, I do it because I enjoy it. I know quilters who are artists. You know, people, this woman who I take in class from Judy Donius, this woman is an amazing artist. It's it's not just about stitching. It's the whole concept of of art, it ends up in her quilts, like the G's Benz quilts, you mm. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, um, so literally, this this is like, uh, I go online, and there's this place called Shiny Happy World, and they make, it's a website, and they make quilts for children, and they're great little, um, uh, they have cuddly cats, and, and playful puppies, and oh. this whole thing of a paper dolls. So I spent like three days cutting out paper dolls and making these dolls. Let mm-hmm. me show you. This is so cute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and quilting has such an amazing history too. Oh, those are so cute.
1: cute. So it's a, yeah. So it's a, the quilt will be of all little girls, black, white, uh, you know, uh, Latina, the, you know, it's going to be a mixture. Lots of shade for this little, little girls girl. who's going to be born yeah. in the world.
2: And yes. what <laughs> way that we used to do communication during the Underground Railroad. Absolutely. You know, different Absolutely. In the pattern and which way you hung the pattern, let people know what the houses were, safe houses. I mean, we developed a whole method of communication through the quilts.
1: Oh yeah, and you know it's funny because when I first started quilting, uh, 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 Sam Jackson and Latanya were having their daughter Zoe. Oh, you've been quilting all the time then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still a novice because I don't do it all the she's 25 time. 25 years old? <laughs> no, she's in her thirties. Okay, yeah, I'm like grown <laughs> woman. Well, but wait, they still have the quilt. Mm. I went to visit mm. them and they still have the quilt. Of course. Why wouldn't they? Have- and it was the worst piece of shit. Can I say that? Yes, you can. It was the worst <laughs> that I made, but I did it because I, I was broke as a church mouse and they were having a baby. And I wanted to give something to the baby. And I had been playing around with the sewing machine for a few years. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make her a quilt. I think I made it with like clothes that I was going to throw away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had some fabrics. So there was corduroy and cotton on this quilt with the little ruffle all around it and they still had the quilt and Zoe is in her 30s. But anyway, that's what got me started. And, and so when I do that, it just, it really is a zen kind of moment. And the great thing is, is that at the end of it, I have something to show. Mm. And so there are friends of mine who you know have these quilts uh, Chris knows and his wife just had a baby and I made a quilt for them during the this shutdown mm. I'm working on this one uh yeah, it took me like 4 years to make a quilt for Brian T and his wife Morelli. Mm-hmm. I think their daughter, I think their daughter Maddie was 4 by the time I finished mm-hmm. the quilt. But you know, it's like that. I do it when I can and and it's also a great thing to take on a set because when you're reading, you're going to be interrupted. And the one thing that I hate is for somebody to interrupt me while I'm reading something. <laughs> And so I started taking the quilting cool to set because that allowed me to pick something up and put it down. But I also wasn't wasting time. Mm-hmm. When the day was over, I had something to show for the time I had been sitting. Cause you know, it's all about hurry up and wait. Right. But then when you're ready and you're in the book, they want to call you to set. Right.
2: Just when the moment, you know, it's like the uh-huh. end of one of these mini series. It's like an episode cliffhanger. You got to stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because uh, The last book I read I was, think I was telling you about that City of Girls mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert and, and I decided I was going to Take it to work with me And and there it was You know, every time I get to a good part uh, You paint the We Need You on set And it's like, okay, see, this is why I don't read on set Good book, by the way If you haven't read it It's fun oh, yeah. cause for us Because it's it's about this young girl who ends up in a theater company in new york like in the 40s so okay. it's fun yeah it's fun
2: this is tanya pinkins and you're listening to you can't say that on the broadway podcast network that was part one of my conversation with s Apatha merkerson on life during covid19 come back for part two